Hello and welcome to another episode of Parsha Lab. I am Imu Shalev. And I am David Foreman. And this week's Parsha is Vayakel Pekude. You know, Rabbi Foreman, I feel like we don't get paid in talents enough anymore. I would love a raise of 20 talents of silver. Emu, you are so talented that it would be my pleasure to pay you in talents. The only problem is, how much is a talent? That is a good question. I feel like a great place to look for the answer is in this week's Parsha. It is, because in this week's Parsha, we hear all about talents of silver. We hear all about the accountings of the raw materials which were placed into the Mishkan. That's what Pikude is about. And Vayakel is where we gather together all the people of Israel. And uh, we actually hear about the construction of the Mishkan itself under the watchful eye and talented hand of <laughs> Betzalel. Anyway, what I thought we would do th- this week was uh, take you back to uh, what I thought we'd do this week is a little bit of reversal of roles of last week. Uh, last week in Kitisa, you got a chance to show me something kind of cool that you found, and we kind of riffed about it. And today I'd like to try to show you something cool that I found, and um, I view it as a kind of unfinished symphony. I think that something is here, uh, but exactly what it means, I think, is mysterious. Uh, and frankly, I-, I don't think I have it figured out. So I turn to you, Emu, and your wisdom, happiness to help us piece this together. I am thrilled and excited. All right, Ema, so let me just show you what it is that I think I found over here. Come with me into Parshat Vayakel, maybe about uh, 20, 30 psukim down or so. You are going to find Moshe telling the people of Israel about the appointment of Betzalel. Betzalel, of course, is going to be the architect for the actual construction of the Mishkan. So let's just kind of read this through. What I want to just do is, is kind of play one of my favorite games with you. Um, and this is going to be chapter 35 versus... 30 and 31. And the game is, where have we heard these words before? So uh, let, let's read this through. Moses says to the people of Israel, see, kara Hashem b'shem b'tzalel. The Lord has called out in the name of B'tzalel ben Uri ben Hur, the child of Uri, the child of Hur, l'mata Yudah, from the tribe of Judah. And God has caused him to be filled with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding and with knowledge, ubechol malacha. It's a little difficult to translate, but somehow uh, you might translate it as uh, and the capability of performing all different kinds of work. So, if you just had those two verses, we played our little game. Where else in the five books of Moses does this sort of kind of sound like we are echoing? I can think of two or three different places. One okay. is in the very beginning of Genesis, uh, the name B'Tzalel, in the shade of God, also possibly B'Tzalem Elohim, right? Short for mm-hmm. B'Tzalem Elohim, which yep. if it was on its own, I wouldn't be that excited, right? God created man in, in Tzalem Elohim in chapter one. There's also mm-hmm. something else in these two verses that remind me of chapter one, which is the mm-hmm. Ruach Elohim, Vayimale Oto Ruach Elohim, that God filled B'Tzalel with the spirit of God. So that that's destination one that I would notice. Destination mm-hmm. number two and three. By the way, just before we go to destination two and three, the other piece of that is Betzalel's father, right? Look who Betzalel's father is. Yeah. Uri and, and is course, referring to the, the light uh, or that uh, was the very first thing that was created when God said, let there be light. 
right? So in other words, the, the Ruach Halakim is the spirit of God that's hovering over the waters. Uh, the first thing that God creates is light. You have echoes of both of those things. As we hear about this fellow by the name of Betzalel, that could be read as an acronym for Betzalem Elohim, for man himself, the one who's created in the image of God. No, it's almost like like Betzalem Elohim, like the image of God is the child of light. Oh, that's very fascinating. Emu, can you unpack the tendrils of that thought? Sure. Well, to me, what that brings to mind is sort of like, I, I always saw kind of uh, the, the light and the darkness as sort of like the Big Bang. Uh, the mm -hmm. matter and energy being created on that first blast of light. And then you could argue that over the days of creation or the, the millennia of creation unfolding, um, that is finally concretized into, into man. Uh, and so man is in, seemingly, uh, once he's fashioned in the image of God, is really truly a child of light of that first initial burst of energy. Fascinating. And he is, right? He's just a uh, many generations later, right? Many billions of years later, you've got out of that initial blast of light, you end up with B'Tselem Elohim. And that might be a way of thinking about the difference between God and man. The original God is just God. And the original man is a product of light, which is to say what distinguishes him from God is that he's fundamentally a physical being, a being of this universe, and hence a child of the first thing that comes into existence, matter and energy in this universe. Taking that idea one step further, Emu, what do you make of Betzalel's grandfather? If Betzalel's father is Uri, what do you make of the fact that his grandfather just happens to be a guy by the name of Hur? So I was thinking... Uh, what to do with Hur, and to me it feels like the trail gets cold, but maybe Hur, Hur sounds like, it, it's the same letters as Hor, which is uh, a hole. Good, um, keep on going. And a hole is filled with darkness, so good. Uh, maybe you have, you know, Tzalmalokim, the child of light, and the child, who's the child of darkness, and, you know, the light emerged from darkness, is that where you're going? Well, not necessarily darkness, let's just think of hole. What, how would you define a hole? A hole is the absence of something. It's, it's yes, uh, in something Yes, hole is else. the absence of something. So what would it mean that there's B'Tselel, the child of light, the child of the hole? I, I, I don't know, maybe something coming out of nothing? Something... Yeah. So first of all, that notion of something coming out of nothing, but if you want to get especially Kabbalistic about it, you know, that great idea of Tzimtzum, think about what Tzimtzum is, right? Heavenly contraction. And again, mm. this is this sort of philosophical Kabbalistic notion that before God created the world, we think of it as something from nothing. But in a way, you'd say, well, God was out in the world, so... God is is everything, right? So if God is everything, you might then say, what room is there for anything else? And hence the Kabbalistic doctrine of Tzimtzum, that what God did is he actually, so to speak, contracted himself so as to make room for that which was not him. And if you think of that room for that which was not him, the very first thing that was created, you might argue, according to that Kabbalistic doctrine of Tzimtzum, is actually the idea of absence itself, mm -hmm. or the idea of a whole. Uh, and, and that when we talk about the first primal universe, right, a universe of Choshech, typically we think of Choshech as a, as a kind of absence, an absence of light, right? So the very beginning of creation is with ultimate absence, when there is nothing, there's no matter, there's no energy. There's just the absence of God. God is sort of contracting himself to make room for something more. So it would emerge that Betzalel, man, 
the child of light, the original thing in the universe, is actually the child of absence um, in, in its largest possible sense. That concept of, of Tsimtsum, it's such a, a mind-bending concept, and yet it, it just re it reminds me, and I think you brought this up before, of birth as well. When a woman creates a space in her own self, where she, she is Mitsamtsim herself, she contracts a space, right, a place that isn't her in her own body in order to make room for, for other life. Yep. So what the, what this kind of takes us is to a, a, a one of my favorite but rather esoteric courses that we've done uh, in Aleph Beta Land, the Secret of the Cherubs, uh, and in that course, uh, uh, Emu, you know, we've talked a lot about it. It's, it's I think one of one of your favorites and mine, uh, and, and it's animated a lot of our thinking together. Um, we kind of made the argument that if you think about what it is that Patsalal is doing, Patsalal is actually doing something in a way that is similar to what it is that God did, right? So that, in a way, God created a world for us, and hence this language that sort of evokes God creating the world when we talk about B'Tselel, and B'Tselel is almost tit for tat, is going to be the human being, the B'Tselem Elohim, human being that is going to reciprocate and build a world for God within our world, almost as if human beings are contracting themselves and saying the world is a place for us and we do all sorts of stuff in the world, but there's going to be a special place, a place that we're going to pull back and we're going to construct a house. We're going to construct a house for God. And that is what Basal is trying to do. And that might sort of lend some meaning to why these parallels are here. It's not just that, oh, let's have some esoteric creation parallels. It's because what Basal is actually doing is reciprocating the act of creation on the part of mankind. If mankind was the recipient of that great gift, and after many billions of years, there's Betzalel, the child of Uri, then the least we as humans, the Betzalelelekim people, can do is to reciprocate that and make a house to ourselves, contract ourselves, and to make a house uh, for, our, for our creator and our world. It's really uh, breathtaking. God created a space in his world for us, and, and then... The Tselem Elohim, right, the projection of God or the, the, the mini creator who is the son of light and the son of that space, right, it's almost like he's returning the favor. The, the one who was carved out from space and that, that light that produced this Tselem Elohim is then going to return the favor, complete the other side of the relationship by carving out a space in our world for God. And that, and that seems to be this dance of the Mishkan. And, uh, you know, I, I, I remember vividly, you know, we, we had... Uh, one of our early employees, Al Beta, I think, uh, uh, remarked once to me that of, of all the courses we had done, this was particularly meaningful to her. She felt it to be so just in terms of basic human relationships with in-laws, you know? <laughs> uh, which is like, you know, where do you find it uh, within yourself to reach out with a full heart to your in-laws, you know, your spouse grew up with these people and you didn't and the, and that somehow that notion of making space for another in your world in a way is really you know what, what we try to do in marriage right where we, there's somebody else in our lives now that requires us to actually contract our interests and really make room for them in our lives uh, and room in your world for someone that you love it's what god did for us most fundamentally it's what we do for God when we build a Mishkan. But to some extent, whenever we 
we go about making a home for ourselves, which is sort of what we do when we domesticate the world, when we go make a career, we do everything else. There's that notion that part of what you do is there's other people that you love and you pull back and you leave a space for them and they coexist in your world and that affects you. It affects, it's this voluntary relinquishing of being the largest being you possibly can be. Uh, and we're taught it by God. Do you think, um, you, you were reading uh, B'Tzalel, Ben-Uri, Ben-Hur, but we left out Lemate Yehuda. Do you think that what you just said is could be, could be the reason why B'Tzalel comes from this the tribe of Yehuda, Yehuda meaning to admit or even to think? Oh, that's fascinating. I hadn't thought of that. Well, I mean, what, what I hear you suggesting is that the energy of thanking is really that. In other words, mm-hmm. what, is, what does it mean to thank someone? It means to find some way to reciprocate, even in some sort of token kind of way. When I thank somebody, I don't actually reciprocate. To thank is just sort of to acknowledge, to do something as a token gesture that says, I get what it is that you've done for me. And maybe that's what Batalo is all about. Batalo is expressing the idea of Mata Yuda. Yuda, of course, is named for Hapam Odet Hashem. Leah says when she has her fourth child, Yuda, I can finally thank God. And maybe that's the energy. This notion of of a pale kind of reciprocation where God did something amazing and he made a world for us. The least we can do is in our world to try to make some sort of mini habitation for God. And it's not a full reciprocation, but that's what thanks is. Thanks is never a full reciprocation. It is a uh, it is a way of sort of evening the scales, a way of, of bringing some sort of wholeness to a relationship through uh, some kind of acknowledgement and reciprocation, even if it is not at the scale that we have received from the other. So, so I just bought a new house, and I'm feeling as though I need to consecrate a bedroom as my my parents' room when they come to visit. I got a room in their house; they got a room in my house. Yeah, that's really what it is. It's a special, a special kind of thing. And you know, one of the fascinating things is if you look back in Vayakel, um Right alongside Mishkan, the other thing we have in over here, we have over here, right in these verses, is Sabbath. And if you think about it, one might see Sabbath as a similar kind of thing. That if Mishkan is a way that we make a place for God in our world, what would Sabbath be? But maybe the same thing, not in the world of space, but in the world of time. That our world is a world of space and time. That's what God did when he made this crazy universe out of that great big bang. He's created space and time. We reciprocate the favor by taking a little slice of space and setting it aside for God, the Mishkan, and a little slice of time and setting it aside for God. And and really doing what you're talking about, Emu. We have a house. The least we could do is make a room for you, God. One of the crazy ways to think about time is time is also where we live. You got X years, right? That's your your space in time. And you take part of that, a seventh of it. You uh, invite God to enter into your time and say, my time is not just for me. My time is to share with you. So so I, I once heard somewhere, I don't remember where, if this is like a apocryphal or, or a real minhag, but uh, I think it's in Eastern Europe, they would bury people in their the wood of the dining room table. Like uh, they would take the dining room table and they would, that's how they would make the coffin. Um, oh, really? And and the the idea that I heard is that that's the room where you consecrated, right? It's, it's just reminding me what it is that you're saying. Like they, you know, if you're, if you're consecrating a portion of your house um, and, and a portion of your time, 
uh, for God specifically. That room, that room to me is the dining room. It's the room where you where you you give your divrei Torah over on Shabbos, where you have your your Shabbos meals surrounded by your family to take that and have that be the the thing that ushers you into the next world or the the thing that you uh, bring with you to the grave or whatever it is. Is it's morbid, but kind of a pretty concept. <laughs> I the real truth is, I, I think I would kind of end this podcast by actually inviting inviting you guys, our listeners, to kind of think about that. Which is what room in your house is that room? What room is there that you consecrate to someone other than you? For some of us, it could be that dining room. For some of us, it could be the living room or the kitchen, right? So when you look at your house, what room is it that you see? Now, you know, this is what I'm sharing with others somehow and bringing and being mitzamtzim myself and bringing others in. More largely, right, the real question is that in life, as we go about doing malacha, changing the world, what part of our life do we take that act of malacha and dedicate it not for ourselves, but dedicate it for someone that we love, someone that's separate from us? What part of our life does that? It's almost as though creating that space for others is how we truly earn our title as the Tzalem Elohim. Yeah, or certainly B'Tzalem Elohim, as you put it, Lamata Yehuda. If we really want to be worthy of the name Yehudim, Right, which really means to thank, then a B'Tselem Elohim has got to cut, step up to the plate and say this is what it means to be in the image of God, hmm. not just to be creative as God is creative, but to actually reciprocate and create something in kind that reciprocates what it is that God created for us. Mm-hmm. So Beautiful. I, I would leave you with that thought. Yeah. Um, Emu, I have to be perfectly honest. This is absolutely not where I was planning <laughs> on going when we started this podcast. I was, totally, you know, you talked about uh, uh, number one, number two, and number three in terms of the echoes. We spent our time talking about number one. But next year, Emu, next year, Emu, when we get to Vayako, we're going to get a chance to talk about the other echoes of these two psukim because it's not just creation. The challenge I would. I would level to our, our listeners out there is think about these two verses and think about other echoes. There's another story, at least one other story elsewhere in the Bible that bears these other echoes. See if you can find it. And Emu, uh, look forward to sharing that with you too. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, you've got to make sure to check out um, Rabbi Foreman's incredible video videos on uh, on Vayakel and Huday. Um, they will be posted in the show notes. Uh, they're really, really incredible Um, exploring this concept even further. You don't want to miss them. As always, please, please send us emails with your thoughts. If you do not support the great work that we do at Aleph Beta uh, and you want to send us some talents of silver, uh, so please make sure to go over to alephbeta.org and subscribe. Subscriptions are tax deductible and they keep the lights on around here. So thank you so much for that. See you next week, folks.